Welcome to Sad Styles Productions. Let me run you through our daily specials. On Tuesday, relive your childhood gaming memories on the Retrograde Podcast. On Thursday, the Jackass crew relives the pain and glory of the TV show Jackass. Also on Thursday, Mikey and Brian let you in on all the secrets of sports marketing on the sign-off, a framework podcast. On Fridays, losing money with Andrew Baskin helps satisfy your 20-minute sports gambling fix. Keep your hands inside the car at all times. Enjoy the ride. Get into it. Coming up... A Sad Styles production. Hey everyone, it's Mikey from the Sign Off Podcast. Now before we get started with this week's episode, I just have a little bit of housekeeping to do. If you've been following us on our socials over the past two weeks or so, at Frameworth Sport on Twitter, at Frameworth Sports on Instagram, you will know that we've been doing a giveaway for a signed Mitch Marner Toronto Maple Leafs jersey in tandem with... Chris Thrash, Chris Sutsos of At Thrash TV on YouTube. And in order to enter, all you have to do is make sure you are subscribed to the sign-off on your platform of choice and subscribe to their YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash C slash Chris Thrash. If you're watching on YouTube, we got a nice little graphic in the corner there. You can find all of their socials and how to subscribe to them there. Uh, I highly recommend you do so, even though the competition is coming to an end. Now, we have to announce the winner of the competition, uh, and it is... Mary Field, jfield16 at kojiko.ca. Now, all you have to do is email us at signoffpod at frameworth.com and we will arrange to have your jersey sent out to you. And we thank you for taking part in this competition and to anyone else who took part. Once again, we appreciate your support and we hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Sign Off Podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, signing on to the sign-off of Frameworth Podcast for yet another week. And with me, as always, I'm joined by Brian Aaronworth, the president of Frameworth. Uh, welcome. Thanks for, for joining. I, I saw you Thanks kinda, for having me. Yeah, you looked up a little bit as though you didn't even know we were here. I, I just invite him into these rooms and then start recording, and he just has to keep up. Uh, if you're watching us over on YouTube, which if you haven't yet, go check us out over there. Uh, we also have a new face, but a familiar name. We've mentioned this person on the podcast before. He's worked in business technology for 17 years and has been an avid collector since the age of eight in his spare time he shares his love of collecting with a facebook group he manages dedicated to Sidney crosby and mario lemieux collectibles uh you know him you will love him uh, his name is matt ellenberger matt thank you so much for joining us yeah happy to be here thanks for having me on Perfect. So uh, I wanted to uh, sort of give a brief introduction about where, uh, which direction we're taking this episode of the podcast. You know, week after week, we bring on some of the players, uh, some of the agents, some of the managers. We talk a lot ourselves about the way the industry has been shaped from an inside perspective. Uh, the one person we haven't really spoken to all that much is the collector. You know, ourselves kind of aside, we are collectors, but we come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, we wanted to make sure we give voice to the people to whom we're speaking. And I think you're a great transition into that, Matt, because not only are you an avid collector, as I mentioned, since eight years old, but you also work uh, uh, within the realm of, of sports as well as in, in business technologies and e-commerce and things like that. So I want to ask you this. What came first for you, Matt? Uh, was it the was it the the love of sport or the love of of business technologies and e-commerce and realizing you could loop the two in together? How did you get involved with that industry to begin with? Yeah, I think the love of uh, the love of sports and collecting definitely started first. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was eight, I uh, I grew up outside Pittsburgh, and, and you know, one of the reasons I'm a big uh, a Penguins fan. But growing up outside Pittsburgh, uh, you know. I, Oddly enough, I was a Bobby Bonilla fan as a kid from uh from baseball. He was my first baseball card, and 
you know, so therefore I latched on naturally as that had to be my now, favorite player. Can I, can I ask you a question? Was, was Bobby Bonilla, did you know him before the card or did you just, you said, I got this card. I need to like this guy now. That's exactly what it was. I got this card. I need to like this guy made the connection. And, and like all things in collectibles, like, like, you know, you collect on what kind of triggers emotion or joy or true uh, passion for you. And, and for some reason, like, you know, that was what started it all. So I had that card. I got an autographed baseball for Christmas that year, and and uh, I displayed that proudly in my room. And and then after that, I started to get you know collectibles for Christmas. It was like I'd always get a baseball or something like that, and it 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 just started to become like a little bit of a tradition. And as I got older, and uh, you know, you can you can make your own money and not have to ask for uh, gifts every Christmas. Uh, to get I still ask things. my dad for for gifts all the time. That's that's my go to. He's yeah. But you were in a dad, much different a position podcast. than I was. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so I started, uh, you know, just growing the collection and uh, and broadening it out. And I, I always loved, uh, you know, had a natural passion for sports growing up, playing uh, a variety of sports. So. Uh, you know, I had my teams and, and players, uh, and therefore my collection started to build around uh, those in general. And uh, as I got older and, and through school and everything, uh, you know, I always had a passion for technology growing up uh, and business. Uh, finding a way to merge the two was was very interesting. Um, and you know, what I found through it was, uh, you know, getting a chance to come in and and merge the two. I've done. Uh, you know, uh, negotiations and contracting, uh, you know, in the technology realm is, is kind of my, my bread and butter. Uh, and I found that works amazing for when you're a collector because you're constantly, uh, understanding markets and negotiating and contracting and, you know, contracting new items for yourself for sure. to bring for into sure. the world. Um, you know, how much are you in, willing to pay for something and what are you willing to give up to get it's uh, yeah, exactly. Is this a great investment that you're making? Uh, and you know, are you paying the right price for the thing? Uh, you know, it, it, it's got to trigger joy, but also has to make sense. You don't want to, uh, you know, kind of go crazy there, but, uh, you know, and then getting a chance to work in, uh, with companies that, that are connected to sports and teams, uh, you know, in the, in the retail commerce areas and understanding like how that works and, and how product flows through supply chains and how deals get done and how it actually ends up to the collector. Like that all became super interesting to me to, to kind of pull it all together uh, uh, in a 360 view of like, oh, man, I started as, as someone who just wanted to buy a product. Uh, but as I kind of, you know, went through my own, you know, progression and, and career path, uh, I was able to understand truly how like that product actually happens and gets to you. It makes you appreciate it uh, a whole lot more uh, and understand, uh, you know, what goes behind actually getting that product that, that sits in your office one day. That's that's amazing. I love that perspective of it. Uh, you know, a lot of us have passions for something in our life, whether it's collecting, whether it's movies, whether it's TV. And for some people, it's it's enough to just uh, enjoy the product for what it is. Uh, you know, you, you buy the, the signed baseball, you put it on your shelf, and that's good. And for other people, there does become a fascination with the industry itself. Matt, you mentioned earlier, and this is funny because I, uh, you know, not to make this about myself, but I can relate in a lot of ways. 
getting into collecting and getting into a specific player because what came first was the player's card, not a love of the player necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember back in the day uh, playing the old NHL video games and Maxima Fenegenov was a player that I just so happened to come across in like a free agency or a trade or something. And I just kicked ass with him. I played with him all the time. And he became one of my favorite players as a result of that. And and that spurned this weird love for the, the Buffalo Sabres at, at a time when I, I wouldn't have expected it. You'd be the uh, only one. Yeah, no, I'm honestly. just kidding with all you Buffalo fans. <laughs> no, it's, it's oh man, Buffalo as a whole, maybe, maybe we'll get into that at some what point. What a shit show right now. Wow, wow. There's so much, so much going on there with the Eichel scenario. It's um, a podcast in its own. Is, that really is. the this. You know, um, I just want to get in uh, a quick note. So I didn't know Matt. Yeah. Um, until, well, COVID changed a whole lot of things for this company. And one of the most important things was how to stay alive during COVID as a, as a businessman. And that led to... Not just to, keep our lives, not just stay alive literally, but also our businesses. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure that... So we had to pivot like any company that's still around. Uh, and that put me into... Uh, studying the internet, Facebook pages, et cetera, et cetera. And I came across this um, bunch of uh, different uh, Facebook and Instagram groups. But Matt's stood out uh, because it was the Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, or Sidney Crosby collectors page. Right. So now I'm looking at this thing, and I said, well, I should join and see what's going on with this. Uh, instead of selling to big uh, box stores and, and sporting goods stores. I started looking at, and I never really had, was in touch with the actual collector. So now I look at this Facebook page that Matt runs and I, wow, this is interesting. And I see comments. Some were negative about our company and some were not. But anyways, to, actually the, the fun thing was to join it made me feel pretty comfortable. <laughs> I told you the story, Mikey, to join it. So I went to join it and they asked, um, who is the uh, exclusive dealer of Sidney Crosby product? And it said Upper Deck, and it said Steiner or somebody else, and it said Frameworth. And I said, hey, geez, Art, that's, well, the we're qualifier, famous. The qualifier was also, I think it was a bra like brackets, every collector should know this. Right. And, and right. my dad came to me like a like kid in a candy store. <laughs> um, you, you touched on a lot of good points there, Dad. And one of them that I want to talk to you about, Matt, is, you know, You've been in business technologies for a long time. Your expertise had already been developed well beyond like 17 years ago. A lot of companies didn't have an e-commerce platform. Uh, you know, business technologies can mean a lot more than that. But all of a sudden COVID hits and we're on our back foot a little bit. We have to pivot. We have to learn how to deal with the direct and end user a lot. Um, all of a sudden, every company out there needs to have a web platform needs to be a little bit more customer facing if they want to survive this. And you find yourself, Matt, in a situation, I'm assuming, where all of a sudden your services are not only just widely respected, but essential to the companies that would have otherwise not had them. Did you find yourself in a situation where you felt like, I mean, to put it one way, like you held a little bit more power in, in the industry, like you had the, the, the secrets that everyone was looking for? What was that like for you? Yeah, it, you know when you really think about it, when COVID happened, the the companies that thrived um, and, and were not caught off guard were the ones that were planning that that movement into digital. Yes, uh, you know, in particular, if you think of retailers, uh, you know, 
those who relied heavily on brick and mortar or, uh, you know, sites and malls, you know, really struggled because if you don't have foot traffic, you don't have business and, and right. you don't have people, you don't have sales, you don't have money. Uh, it, it makes it really hard to survive. You know, those who are leading with digital uh, were able to thrive because they were able to take and convert those individuals over into, uh, you know, customers from a different right. path. And, and what was Same product, different means of getting it. Yeah, absolutely. And what was beneficial for them as well is especially if you if you worked for uh you know input product that the wholesalers is you could now sell direct uh to your customers and beyond that you could actually work to build relationships with those customers like it and you know uh brian and i had, had talked about this before but you know building relationships with those uh users who buy your products directly and making them feel and understand that uh you know you're out to build products for them. Like you're not out right. to, uh, you know, just go and, and, and sell things like you're out to, uh, you know, work directly with your customers and make them feel that like that, that that's a differentiator in, uh, you know, in that space and, you know, the Facebook you know what, group. Matt, so one of the most important things that happened, uh, by my association with not only yours, but other groups, but yours in particular. And I think the first, conversation we had was a little bit like I, I took a, a little bit of offense to something somebody said on on line so I started listening and it wasn't my intent to and I forget what the situation was but it wasn't my intent to uh, have that reaction that um, they felt that uh, somebody in your group felt that it whatever I did was you know not right mm-hmm. and so that got us into a conversation back and forth where I understood uh, one of your group members' uh, thoughts on it, and he then understood mine. And then I started learning from this. So it really helped me adjust the way I market Sidney Crosby. Your group was instrumental in that, um, in that uh, listening to them and, and seeing what made things tick for them and what didn't work for them really helped me adjust my marketing. I never got that feedback when I was selling to stores. It was like, oh, it's too expensive or it's not too expensive. Or, you know, if Sydney got a gold medal goal, then everything sold automatically and it didn't well, it's, matter. It's almost as though there were, there were gatekeepers to the customer, right? I right. mean, people would pay for customer lists because that was the one chance they had to get in tight with the end user. But if you're selling to a retailer, they control the relationship. Their feedback may be... You know, you never know if they're saying the price is too high. Is that for them or is it for the customer? Do they need more, you know? Um, And then I think you spend so much time representing, you know, someone like Sidney Crosby. We mentioned this last week on the podcast. He could sell, you could put his signature on anything and it's going to sell. And you spend so much time having that success that you start to believe that all you need to do is come up with an idea, put it out there and people will buy it. But once you find yourself in the middle of the group talking to the individuals who are actually, you think you're driving the industry. The individual collectors are the ones driving the industry because they will or will not buy. And when you can communicate with them, even if they say you're wrong about something, it's not necessarily to say you guys messed up. It's to say we kind of want something different. And if you're willing to work with them there, the whole industry is beneficial and the product line increases in quality as a result. Right. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's interesting is I remember that, that conversation, that first conversation Brian and I had when he, uh, uh, when he reached out and, and we got to talking a little bit and, and a lot of that was around, you know, truly 
where the big gap is with a lot of uh, companies and collectors out there, especially the ones that, uh, you know, are really just out to, to not understand the collector is, is uh, you know, Brian heard the feedback and then was able to kind of come into the group and, and again, take the negative and the positive and say like, like, let me learn from this and figure right. out like, what is it truly that the collector wants out there? Like, what, mm-hmm. what are we doing that's, that's different and how do we make sure that, uh, that we're on top of it? And, and those things that the collectors want are not usually things, uh, sometimes that retailers are putting out because maybe it's harder to create what they really want, or maybe the collector doesn't understand the strategy that sits behind you know, what that retailer is doing and it's not really transparent, uh, for them. Uh, but, but right. breaking all of that down and actually having, uh, like an open communication with the people that sit behind the product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk about differentiators in, in that space. Like if you look across, you know, the, the competitor landscape of like sports marketing and companies, uh, like that doesn't necessarily exist in a lot of places, uh, especially with anyone that has like an exclusive. So sure. uh, like that, that's different. And, and it's something that I've, um, you know, that anybody that listens to this, that's in the group knows uh, in particular that I, I've, I made a very uh, open post that said, uh, you know, when Brian was coming into the group that said, look, Brian's coming in the group here to listen to positive and negative. Yeah. Um, like, you know, there's no censorship in the sense that, you know, if you say something negative, we're going to like remove it. Like if you say something negative and, you know, don't bash people, but like if you say something negative sure. or, or give feedback or say, I don't like this product for this reason, like Brian may chime in, like don't tag him in everything in the world. Yeah, say, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. please send me as many, like, uh, please send me some Sydney product product, you know, please, Brian, like, you know, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. don't do that and kind I... of stuff, but he's here. Um, and be advised, you won't find this in other places. Mm-hmm. So like, understand that like you you're, you're able to get feedback direct from the source and that's a world of difference and then uh then you'll find with most companies and and their consumers and i think what what i get out of this mostly and people have to understand from my perspective too is i'm when we have an exclusive with Sidney crosby or any of our other players i'm there to protect the brand and mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned from your group is that I'm looking at, uh, and I think the discussion that we originally had was, you know, some of the new products that we're bringing out were higher price. Mm. And I had to pivot there because remember we're looking at, and and so there was a bit of a an uproar about, you know, why are the prices going up? And mm-hmm. said, because we've got to get our, our product in a position where it's the right place in the market. And so you got a Connor McDavid out there uh, who's selling it, perhaps the same or higher price doesn't make any sense given that he hasn't done any of the things yet. I'd be superstar. Yeah. No question that Sydney's done. So why is that the case? Well, it was a different marketing strategy for him. And I started getting on board with that. What, what the other side of that equation is, is that Matt's Matt understood then that, Hey, you know what? Brian's protecting the brand, but he's also protecting our pricing. And so, yeah, at the beginning we're used to paying this, but now we're going to have to pay that, but all my other stuff's going up with it. Right. So we were protecting the collector as well. And so that's where we both got on the same page and said, okay, now I'm listening to what you guys are telling me and, and, and we'll make adjustments, but we're going to try and bring out specialized product and art and Sydney's prices and the value of his goods have gone up substantially since COVID started. Yeah. 
and have maintained the value. And I think everybody across the board is happy with that. I think so. I mean, a lot of it does come down to, you know, you talk about someone like McDavid who, you know, a superstar in his own right. Um, But if the marketplace is shifting to a point where he is making X amount and we know that, Sidney Crosby is is right up there with him, for example. You know, maybe any of our other guys. You got Carey Price. You got Jonathan Taves as an example. Um, eventually, you need to protect the player's identity as well. You know, you don't want them out there half the price as someone who you believe is, is sort of a comparable player, right? So right. there is a little bit of a give and take. Our prices aren't always directly relative to an idea we have of our, our players. Sometimes we have to make adjustments based on how the overall market's going. And what I like about this conversation, Matt, is that we're kind of, you know, you have a unique perspective as, as I mentioned earlier, as a collector and also as someone who works in it. Um, so you, you know, running this, this Facebook account, not only are you doing so so that you can you know increase your your collectibles and interact with with the fans who who are like minded just like you, but you also get to uh, kind of work with this symbiotic relationship between the producer, manufacturer, and marketer and the collectors themselves. Do you feel like there's there's a benefit to the group in you having both experiences, and how do you kind of lean on that without feeling like you're being biased in any way? Is there any any strategies you have there? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I look at is, uh, and I get a, a ton of messages per week on uh, what is the value of this product, or what do you think the value is of that? It may be a current, it may be a past product, and 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 you know, do this across both, uh, you know, Sid and, and and Mario products, and you know, I, I take a lot of. Uh, uh, pride in the fact of like, you know, making sure that I've got data or some sort of knowledge to like give people feedback because it's people's money out there. And I I feel like the onus that if I give bad feedback or, or, you know, if I, you know, I make sure I I don't know what I don't know. And I would tell them that, but um, you know, I don't want to give anybody bad guidance, even though this is all voluntary and, you know, uh, we're kind of doing this in the collector's world, but um, you know, I see enough, uh, things move in different groups online. I, I know uh, kind of how prices of trend, COVID impacts. Like I've watched yep. those things and I probably watch them more than most, again, because it's how my brain's wired um, a yep. little bit from the, the professional world. Um, you know, but it, when you look at it, you've got to say there, there's always a strategy behind things. And, you know, you're always, you, you can't please everybody. You're always going to have half the people out there that are going to want to buy something for the lowest price humanly possible. Yep. Uh, and then you're going to have another half of people that want something to be worth as much as possible. And then you're going to want the people who buy it low to have bought it low. And then they're immediately going to want to say, I want it to be worth as much as possible. Right. And, right. and it's a constant struggle between that. And kind of what I tell people who uh, you know are getting into it and, and, and have price discussions, because Brian's right. I think the first conversation we had was around kind of that battle of price. Um, you know, I even got like a bit of a heat going, you know, where, where people were sending me messages, you know, when I was supportive of the price coming up to, cause I agreed Crosby and McDavid should be a similar price point. Right. Um, right. not everybody would agree with that. And some people were very upset with me saying that sure. like Sid should be a lower price point because he's a nice guy and it should be like, <laughs> you know, more accessible to people. And what and, a perspective, well, believe it or I, not, that's the way he thinks yeah you know, yeah like he yeah he's not in it for the money he doesn't need the money he's in it to make sure that there's a source of a, a, a valid source an authentic source of products of his that aren't i mean you see every day on on facebook pages where he's holding up a t-shirt 
that he never held up, and it's <laughs> yeah. all photoshopped. And hey, Sydney wants you to buy this product, and you can't just you can't stop that stuff. You can report it. So he he wants to make sure there's an authentic source that you can rely on, and that's Frameworth, and it's not about the money. We just I just don't want to be embarrassed by the fact that you know there's guys that that are selling for more money that have nowhere near. Uh, the types of careers that he he is having. It's it's interesting because I I think that you know uh, presumably a lot of people from your your group and we'll get into your group uh, more specifically in a little bit here uh, will be listening to this and and to those who are hearing this who are on that side who believe that Sidney Crosby should sell for a slightly lower price. I don't think that they're wrong. I I think that Sydney has has garnered, you know, I, I don't think that their opinion is incorrect. Ultimately, I believe that his price should be higher, but I think there's value and merit in what they're saying in the sense that Sidney Crosby has grown his brand and his identity carefully, uh, you know, I think naturally because he is this way, but it also does take a lot of work to be the accessible one, the every, the, the, the down to earth, the this, the that, the, the people's player. You know, he often talks about how he, he was never a first-line player. He was always just, you know, a, a third-line player who worked hard enough to make it to, you know, that sort of thing. And because of that, people do have that perspective of like, well, we don't, you shouldn't be the one, you know, holding out for a contract dispute or raising your prices and things like that. And those people who think that probably like Sydney for the reason that he's garnered this image. So he's got to take the good with the bad a little bit in that sense, right? Like he's, he's got to understand that some people will push back a little bit. And, uh, and, and so for those people with that, with that, uh, that opinion, you know, it's completely valid. And I think that part of the identity of Sidney Crosby, you know, when you're a player like he is, is organic and kind of separate from him. It has to do with how the public sees him. That is what his identity ends up being as much as he wants to control it a certain way. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of give and take there. And that's why I love ecosystems like your groups on Facebook, uh, which, which kind of demonstrate that. Now, uh, I, I want to get before, before we get into the Facebook groups, Matt, I, I want to talk about, you know, we've talked a lot about you professionally. I want to talk about you as a collector as well, because I think it, it does, you know, just like we like to profile someone like Sidney Crosby, I think we, we should be profiling the people who collect his products as well, Matt. Now, um, you, you mentioned you started collecting at, at eight years old. Uh, was it always baseball and then it evolved into hockey? Did your, your thoughts on collecting similar to the baseball shape who you followed beyond that or how did it grow how did it grow into what what you what you do now and how you sort of express your love of the sports through collecting yeah i think as i get older i started to uh with anything you start to see things in a bit of a different way so so growing up i, I mean i loved uh you know bonilla because it was my first baseball card but you know i grew up in the griffey area i've got like a griffey jersey behind me um, you know, it kind of actually let's, let's draw attention player. to that. If you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> you have a, a, a shrine behind you of all various different types of jerseys. We see some Sydney, some Lemieux, some Mike Trout. There's a lot there. Uh, that is uh, a collection that any, any fan would be proud of. So if you're, if you're not watching on YouTube, <laughs> head over there quickly and just take a look at Matt's screen. It's, it's pretty impressive. And, and you know, with the players, everybody that I have here in my office, uh, like those are my personal, those, those are the, the, the people and, and teams that I, I latched onto for various reasons. And, and as I evolved, um, you know, I, I believe collecting should have a story behind it, like collect for a reason and collect with intent. Uh, don't collect just to get things. Sure. Um, and that's kind of the way that I've, I've always approached collecting. 
Um, you know, so, so baseball evolved into, uh, you know, getting, you know, football, uh, you know, despite growing outside Pittsburgh, I loved, uh, like Derek Thomas, uh, you know, in the late eighties and nineties as a kid playing linebacker in football. So, you know, I became a chiefs fan early on. So I was collecting, right. uh, chiefs things and, and naturally, but you know, I was, a, I think the penguins are really my only hometown team that I actually like. Um, cause I, Interesting. I followed my players around Bonilla retired a Cardinal. He actually, uh, his injury paved the way, I think, for Pujols to come in. So it kind of lasted oh, wow. Pujols a bit. Uh, so I became a Cardinals fan, and and you know that's my life fan. Uh, when my favorite player retired with the team, that became my team. So that that built my story of things. So I have Cardinals things, and um, I have a bunch of Hall of Fame baseballs and like the 500 home run club ball signed uh, that sit like above. I think where the the cutoff is here. Uh, Didn't you tell me you threw out the first pitch at the card? I was telling you it's supposed to the picture of being in in uh, Bush Stadium last weekend with Wayne and uh, and he pitched. Yeah, I threw out the first pitch there one time. Did you really tell that story? How did that happen? A couple of years ago, I uh, uh, you know in the wonderful world of of, of business, uh, you know those who thrive are really good networkers. Um, mm-hmm. So um, networked my way into uh, you know. Uh, someone who worked with uh, bank of America and they just so happened to have the sponsorship that went around first pitches and, you know, was able to, wow. uh, you know, get into thrown out a first pitch before a, a Cardinals versus nationals game there. And I was laughed at the, you know, I've got the ball with a picture of me throwing it here in a different part of my office. And, uh, I threw it to Alex Reyes, who's the, now the closer for the Cardinals and all-star. Um, I laughed, but I went to the mound to throw the pitch. Um, and apparently that wasn't a common place uh, to do that. And they had not had a lot of success from people throwing it from the mound. Uh, <laughs> they so usually they go little, a little closer, right? Yeah. They usually stand at the edge of the mound where the grass is so they can right, get the yeah. ball there. Um, you know, at that time, I, I stopped playing baseball competitive uh, two years ago, right before COVID. But I, I had just played a couple of days before that. So um, I was like, yeah, I, I don't, don't worry. I can throw it from the mound to the plate. We'll be all right. Um, and they have a, the, the TV feed of it and you see Alex Reyes get down and, and Redbird gets in the box and you just see Reyes look up at him and he tells him like back out of the batter's box. Like, I don't know how it's going to go. <laughs> um, and I ended up throwing it over. I mean, I threw a striker to the plate. Uh, make hey, sure I, got hey, it I was going to ask. I was curious. Yeah. But, uh, nice. I, I, I laughed cause I always look back at that, that video and I just see him look up at the mascot telling him like, you might want to, might want to get out. And I just had flashbacks to that <laughs> first pitch of the, the one, uh, kid in Boston who threw it over the home plate and got the, uh, photographer way back in the backstop in a, a very, <laughs> uh, uh, not so great spot. <laughs> it's like, don't be yeah. that guy. <laughs> that's, that's all I'd be thinking the whole time. It's not even for my, it, it just like the, especially the way the internet works and, and you, being someone who's done it for 17 years, everything lives in infamy forever. Once you're there, you're there. And there's mm-hmm. no, like, you will be uh, on, on, on video well, compilations. McGregor's pitch the other day, they threw, he threw it so bad, it was way out. I don't know. I, don't, oh. I just saw it on YouTube. Anyways, we digress, but I just wanted That's to get that That's a great story. In. No, I love, I yeah. love hearing that. I, That's- so I said, I got an invite to see the Cardinals game sit in the owner's box with Wayne Gretzky, uh-huh. from Wayne Gretzky. And his response was, "Well, I threw out the first pitch there." <laughs> like, like going a little. Remember bit how we were talking forth? the other think, day about one-upmanship with Wayne Gretzky stories, yes, where you, yes. I did this, well, I did that. Yes. And I, 
Wayne sat with me for a drink while Wayne invited me for dinner. And Wayne did, you know, that was on the episode that, with, uh, with Jim about. Jerome talking about what it's like at the at the fantasy camps where yeah. everyone's like, yeah. like I was I was down here and he came first. And we anyway, so we interrupted, but go ahead. Yeah. So I'll, I'll gladly trade that first pitch any day for sitting in a box with Wayne for a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, is there uh, just uh, to to stay on the personal bit, uh, the personal kick a little bit? Is there a a most favorite piece that you own doesn't have to be the most valuable, but something that you kind of look at and cherish the most. And uh, do you have a story behind that one? You know, what I tell people, I get that question a good bit. And what I, I generally tell people is the way I built my collection, um, I can almost talk to a story behind every piece and I, I can go through every single item I have and tell you exactly where I got it and how I got oh, interesting. it. And, uh, all right, let's do it. Start start from the first Done. one. All right. It's going to be a lo- the longest podcast in history. Um, so it, it becomes hard because like they mean different things in different ways, you know, for me. Um, uh, one of the things I look at as a collector in particular, you know, I talk about like what brings you joy and, and what makes you happy is I try to think about like unique experiences or like pieces I know that um, you know, I may not find somewhere else. And, and a couple of them come to mind. Uh, you know, I almost put them as a, as a bit of a tie. One would be, um, you know, I got a picture of me skating with, uh, on a line with Mario that Ooh, he nice. signed and inscribed, uh, you know, for me. Uh, and it's, this is it, back when you played for the penguins, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we missed each other. That's a fantasy camp one, right? But, yeah. That was a fantasy yeah. camp one. For, we missed uh, each other. I, I played that two years and the first two years, I think that, yeah. uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. It might've been the first two years yeah. was, because we they were asking about, lot cause they're about to do year 10. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> we, but uh, you know what? Same with me. One of my favorite pieces of memorabilia is that shot with, uh, Maria and I lining up for a face off against each other. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's great. It's got the backs of our jerseys and we're just skating together. Um, with like nothing else behind, I kind of edited it and he, he signed it nice for me, uh, uh, which was great. And it's like, you know, just one of those personalized pieces that's like super nice. Um, yeah. like that, um, along with, I'd say probably like two other particular pieces. One would be a, uh, uh you know, a, a 500 home run ball with like Ted Williams and Mickey Mantle on the sweet spot, perfectly white, all 11 members of like the original club on the ball. Um, wow. And it's just Where'd one of those things where like you, those balls exist, but with those two on it and it being white and not toned yellow or in bad condition, like, and there's a nice story behind it. Cause like I, you know, being a big baseball fan as well and the history behind it, you appreciate that as you get older. Right. Um, and, and then the other one one's good is actually Sidney Crosby piece, uh, which is, uh, a, a autographed, uh, game you stick. Oh, um, wow. And, and that sits, uh, you know, behind my monitors here, like, you know, prestigiously on the wall. I'm mounted up above a couple autograph jerseys and, uh, you know, a, a blade stick framework product as well. And, um, like, you know, I see that every day as I, I, I sit in my office and work. And it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things you look at and you just you think like parts of history. And uh, yeah, well, you and I are going to sit down and talk about what unique things that haven't been out there. Um, and we have had some conversations would be a big value that we haven't done yet. Personalized stuff for sure. Uh, but Sydney doesn't do a lot of that, which makes it even more important. Um, but 
just different things like that. We want more of those things in our product line. And they don't have to be in large volume. They're going to be unique, but something that you're going to want to talk about. Game use sticks are obviously hard to find, and we have very limited. I've got a bunch of them, but they're all from huge games and we're not supposed to be releasing them. Well, it's so. funny. I mean, that's kind of like we talk about you, Matt, and how you have that sort of uh, that that connection to both the world of the collector and the the, the business world uh, out, outside of it uh, or that that kind of creates the collectibles. And, and we also have an affinity for a history of the game. Otherwise, we never would have gotten in this. So every time... Uh, you know, we have a piece of game used equipment for Sidney Crosby and we're, and we're looking at it and it's like, he used this in, in, in the Olympics, like with the gold medal game or something like that. And we're like, do we even want to let this go? You know what I mean? Like, no, we don't. In fact, I, I'm not supposed to, well, I'm not supposed to, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've, uh, we've tagged every, and I had, uh, uh, somebody authenticate and photo match all of the products that right. we have. And so we know where they were, where they came from, uh, even Interesting story too, and I don't even know if you know this, but uh, Matt. But uh, when I first did my first signing with Sydney back in Ramuski when he was playing for Ramuski, uh, I I told him just out of you know just conversation, I said, you know, one thing you should probably do is put some game use stuff away because it'll be valuable one day. This mm-hmm. was when he was fifteen years mm-hmm. old, and never thought anything of it until I don't know five six years ago when I got a call from Dana Hines. Uh, the equipment manager, trainer. So he says, uh, Brian, can you get down here with a truck? And I said, well, what, what for? And he said, well, we've got a bunch of stuff that Sydney's put away. And there was like a whole big bin full of stick blades yeah. and equipment and all that. So Sydney, I thought he wasn't even listening, had tucked it away. Not only that, but he had Dana mark the date on everything. Yeah. So it makes it so much more authentic. And so we have this stuff. Um, a lot of it we won't sell. Should be in the Hall of Fame one yeah. day. Um, you know, Stanley Cup sticks that he scored with or whatever. But um, we release a little bit at a time, and he doesn't use that many of you know, say helmets and pants and things. So uh, it's rare. But once in a while, you'll see them come available. But that was just Sydney not thinking he wasn't paying attention and put everything away. Great. The, now, well, uh, you know, obviously, obviously, the shared love of of, uh, of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby and Matt, you're obviously a huge Penguins fan yourself. And uh, the two groups, I, I believe, the Facebook groups that you manage are specific collectibles for Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby. Or is it is it it's one group that that does both? Two it's two two different groups. Two different groups. So, uh, Matt, why don't you talk a little bit about how you got involved? Because you didn't found the groups to begin with, I believe you were brought in and made administrator because of the value that you brought to them. Is that, is that how it worked? Yeah. So the groups, um, you know, I originally started talking to, uh, you know, a couple collectors, uh, you know, through different groups of over time and this pre COVID, uh, you know, and there was one individual, uh, you know, Casey Waltz who collected, he kind of, uh, was a bit of a goats collector and like had, you know, Mario and Sid and Gretzky, um, and, and he had created, he had been part of a Gretzky group and he, he thought, well, I should create a Mario and a, and a Sid group. So I originally came on kind of like as a, as a moderator in the group because we had all kinds of great conversations. He knew I was a heavy Sid Mario collector. Um, and, and so he created those groups and, uh, you know, he had a, a Austin Marshawn, um, you know, with him as well. So shortly after he created him, he decided, you know, what, I'm just really going to focus on Gretzky. Sure. So, uh, uh, you know, he's take the group's. Uh, 
you know, I don't know. It might even made it a been a month after it was created or so. Um, but you know, here you go. I set, I set up these groups. You know, there's a couple people in them already. Go ahead and uh, you know, if you want them, go ahead and, and take them. So uh, at that point, um, you know, took over kind of the admin there uh, with them and uh, went through and, and figured like, well, you know what? Let's uh, like, what do we want to do with this? And it goes back to like the business mind and like the branding aspect of it is like, you know how do we be different and, and make like a different kind of community out there for, for people? Cause there's a lot of group you can go anywhere and buy, sell trade stuff. Sure. Uh, what, what you don't find are communities of collectors that like want to exchange and talk about collecting and, and yeah. who they collect. So one of the things I wanted to do there was make a community around collecting and, and like that is the intent behind it. So uh, you know, these kicked off and in, in, I think it was June, 2020. And like the SID group has, you know, approaching 650 people in it. Um, you know, in roughly a year, the, the marijuana is, you know, approaching on 500 people. And I'd say like 80% of the people in each one of those rooms, um, are like collector collectors. Um, you know, they're not the, the casual fan, although, you know, we welcome and we have people in there because you know, we want people who are maybe even just starting in and, and want help collecting. Like, am I sure. buying the right? Th is this real or fake? Does anybody know anything about this? And and we've helped people identify, you know, and, and you know, hopefully prevent them from uh, purchasing bad items, you know, you know, fake in-person autographs or, or maybe like spending uh, as much money on a on a bad auto as they, you know, could a, uh, you know, a nice sit down one like, a, you know, like a Frameworth piece. And one thing that, that the members have seemed to really like around it is uh, kind of the guidelines that we have around collecting. Like, you know, when you join the group, you mentioned before that you got to say, like, who's the exclusive provider mm -hmm. of autographs for, uh, you know, for Sidney Crosby. The other things we have in there are like, you can't come in here and try to post and sell a whole bunch of stuff. Like you, you, should, you need to be an active member for 30 days. We don't want people coming right. in and just dumping their stuff out. Uh, it's a community for collectors to collect. And something you also don't see in many groups is like uh, a lot of people post what, you know, what I always hashtag is mail days, like Sid oh, mail yeah, day yeah, or, yeah. or Mario mail days. Like when you get something new, it doesn't matter if everybody in the world has seen this product, like post it, show it, like be proud of it. Like show people your collection, get people talking, get people engaging on it. Uh, you know, it's a great form for, for people to do that and be proud of it, whether it's their first piece or their hundredth piece, uh, that, that's out there. I do. I love that. Uh, one, one of the, the, the kind of vibes that I love so much about the groups that, that you, that you run is that it's, there are so many groups out there and so many collectors out there who are so hyper focused on getting something else and getting the best price and just almost not collecting, but hoarding. And if that's what you do, that's fine. But I do think that some people, would do well to take a step back and appreciate what you have. You know, join a group that isn't about trading and getting and obtaining and collecting or, or hoarding, as I, as I said. It's about celebrating the mm -hmm. items that you do have. And I do love that that stipulation that, that your group has where you can't just come in and sell because people will try to do that. And if that's the purpose of why they collect, you know, I can't I can't tell someone how to collect or how not to collect. But... You're not trying to be that. You want to be a an avenue for people to trust that everyone who's involved is there for a specific reason, and that's for a shared love of the product as opposed to an intent to sell eventually 
And that's kind of why they collected in the first place. One of the things that I've seen on Matt's site in particular, and, and it's my philosophy as well. And I've said this many times on our podcast and to people that are asking, because you, you and I both get mad a lot. Of, what is this worth? Will it go up in value? You know, is this a good investment? And my number one philosophy is buy a piece because you really like it yes. and it means something to you. And hopefully it will appreciate, but if it doesn't, you're still, you still got the piece that you wanted that, that brought you joy, as you said. And so that's really important to me. And then, you know, just making sure that you have a, a, a good collection of, and you look around your room and everything means something to you, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the other thing about his group that I love tuning into, and I haven't done it as much over the summer as I've taken a little easier this summer, but when I, when I go into his group and I see the comments and the excitement when people post something on a mail day that they got, yeah. and it brings me a lot of joy and I'm proud of when, when it originates at Frameworth and, and mostly all the Sidney Crosby stuff does other than, you know, what he signs in the street and he's happy to do that when he, when he bumps into somebody, but the, the, the excitement that they get on mail day and the comments and, and not just the person that's posting it, but everybody else saying, wow, that's a great yeah. piece. Oh, where'd you get it? How much you pay for it? Is there another one available? I'd love one of those in my collection. That's the fun of his group. Well, it's fun. It's fun because, uh, you know, I, I started my point by saying a lot of collectors can just get so close to it that they lose they lose that track of what their love was all about in the first place. And in saying that, I I forgot the fact that we, as the people who create the product and produce it, can also overly commodify it to a point where we lose track of its sentiment and what it actually means to people. So, you know, we're kind of coming full circle in a nice way, but, you know, we started off, you know, pre-COVID, you know, we dealt with a lot of uh, people in between us and the customers now getting out to reach out and, and communicate, you know, for better and worse, you know, mentally, because sometimes we hear some some things that we, we didn't necessarily like, but ultimately we're better off for it. But that continued relationship with the customer and maybe the customer with us just helps us better understand the intention behind it and rediscover our love for the products in the first place. And that's why, you know, uh, Matt, you mentioned right now the Sydney Crosby group's got uh, about 600 over 600 people. Mario Lemieux about 500 over 500 people. And, you know, I think a lot of people would probably say, well, we want 10,000. We want 15,000. And I'm sure, Matt, you know, you what, what can't be understated is your expertise in developing and finding traction in things like this. If you wanted that, I'm sure you could get it. But I, I think the importance is making sure that this is a it's more of like a community as opposed to just population growth, right? right? And and in the same way, we value a relationship with one customer that can give us better feedback more than 20 customers who are just going to do a transaction and get the heck out of Dodge, right? Do you? And is was that an intention when you were growing that group as well with you, Matt? Yeah, I have a pretty, you know, I have a pretty similar collection and business philosophy to things and it's it, it, it fewer better. So, uh, and, and I say this a lot, I, I, you know, I think I've even told, you know, Brian about this before we were talking about products and, and some of the consumers out there is like, you want fewer, better, like you want to, you want to narrow your focus. Uh, you, you could have a group that's 10,000 people, and then you're going to spend all your time managing all the problems with a group of 10,000 people, or you're going to have a group of 600 people that are the right people. 
you know, that help each other out and, and do the right thing and are genuinely there for the right reason. Uh, I say the same thing with collecting. It's like you could collect a, a million different one-off items and, you know, at that point you're hoarding or, uh, yeah. you know, you yeah. could focus on, you know, what the right items are and, and uh, you know, narrow your focus there. So, you know, Brian said one thing there talking about the, the, the pricing piece of, uh, you know, people ask all the time, like, what's this worth? Is it going to go up in value? And, and that's what's nice about the community is people can come in and say, look, I bought that thing three years ago, actually, for a fraction of the price. And now someone will come in and say, yeah, I mean, I bought it last week for three times that. Like, uh, you know, I wish yeah. I could still get it for that. But like, people yeah. can share those experiences. You would never have that data or that information otherwise. And um, sometimes stuff goes down, sometimes stuff goes up. But what, you know, I, I tell people a lot that, you know, get upset about, you know, pricing pieces. I say like, nobody ever purchases a house hoping that it goes down one day. Like, like <laughs> you, yeah, you, yeah. you buy a house because at worst case, you still have a house, but ideally it goes up and you know, you're, you're in a good situation one day. Like, uh, sure. that's how it works. Like, you know, I don't see anybody really different than when you're buying a collectible or memorabilia piece, like you're buying it for specific purpose or intent. Like you're not buying it to retire. If you're, if you're collect, if you're, if you're building your collectibles, uh, you know, uh, you know, collection, you know, whether it be cards or memorabilia around the specific tent to entire, uh, retire on it, you're, you're, you're playing with fire. Uh, yeah. you know, you have to have a different, uh, a reason. And, and that's why I always go back to that. Like have a story, have joy, like, yeah. you know, get you know things what? that mean with, something to you. The one thing I really, uh, another thing I really like about his group is I've actually got to know the names on, in the group and, and some of the people that I actually follow their, their personal page back right. because I want to see what, is behind the person that is sure. the collector. Kevin's one, Nancy's one. I won't mention the last names. I don't know that that's appropriate, but you know, I, I look at the group and I and I know the kind of comments they make, and I know, um, you know, some of the people can afford more than others, but they still follow. You mm -hmm. know, so and they're very gracious. I love that piece. I wish I could afford it. Right. You know, because not everybody's in the same bracket. Um, and there's other pieces you know, doesn't matter what the price is, they're going to buy it. But there's, there doesn't seem to be that, uh, jealousy, jealousy. envy. Uh, I wish I could. Well, I think, I mean, jealousy, isn't, isn't no. an element of it kind of living vicariously through the collector who is getting, I mean, like I read GQ magazine, I can't afford a $400 pair of sweatpants, but I can look at it in a picture and think like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Maybe I would want that someday <laughs> if I had an ungodly amount of money. Um, but so I understand that. I think there's an element, you know, Rob report is a magazine where people look at luxury vehicles I and everything. That all the time. I want one of those yachts, but I'll never get one. That's it. Right. And there's that, that's, it is, there is an element of sort of, of dopamine runoff when someone opens a mail day thing and everyone else gets to enjoy it. That's, that's fan. Yeah. That's what that community is That's the beauty about. of Matt's group as opposed to, and look at there's, there's benefits and there's uh, uh, good things and bad things about all the groups. He, he's got a real special group. Um, and uh, I enjoy, I probably follow it as much or more than anybody else that I follow because I enjoy the comments. And it's uh, obviously important to me to understand what, what they're doing and, um, these guys are experts in the field or a lot of them yeah. really know their stuff. So when I 
watch their group, I get some really good feedback, one good or bad, yep. to help me uh, develop the line, and I pass that on to Sydney. We've we've talked uh, a lot about the groups, Matt. I don't know if we've mentioned them by name, though. Do you want to give a, a quick shout-out of what they are? We'll include links to them in, in the show notes of this episode, but do you want to give a quick shout-out to them? And then maybe, you know, we're, we're getting close to needing to wrap up, so... Give the, give them a shout out. Let them let everyone know where to find them, and then maybe one last final piece of advice to collectors out there, uh, and then and then we'll we'll take it home. Yeah. So uh, if you just search on Facebook for uh, you know Sydney Crosby memorabilia collectors uh, or Mario Lemieux memorabilia collectors, uh, they both have a very similar uh, header on them. I did that on purpose to know that they were a bit connected there. It's branding, baby. Yeah. Um, so you can go ahead and and you can send a request to join. Uh, you have to answer the questions to join. So uh, it's one of the requirements because, you know, we want people to, uh, you know, we want to filter bots or anything else out of there. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, and the second piece there is you have to have an account that's uh, uh, on Facebook. You have to have an account that's at least a year old because we want to make sure mm-hmm. that, again, we're protecting people that's in there. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a smaller community. We want people in there for the right reasons and to, to try to keep some of the bad out. Um, so you can find us on there and, and, and jump in, come hang out. Like I said, we'll, we'll give, uh, uh, we'll help anybody out. We'll give advice. There's tons of people in there that are, that are great group experts. Um, you know, and, and we'll even share recommendations for you too. So, uh, you know, I even think there was a, a week or two ago, there was a, um, a framework product up, uh, it might've been like a puck set. And, you know, I, I think I had posted on there that like, Hey guys, this is a good deal because if you break it down from a business standpoint, mathematically on what you're paying, it was, it was the three puck Stanley cup set. Yeah. If you buy puck, what you're getting out of this and doing it with this deal and shipping, like this turns out to be a good deal for those of you who want Crosby, like we try to help people out there and give them a little insight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it and isn't a good deal, I just, he just keeps quiet. <laughs> I do. No, but you know what? I, I won't put a deal. A lot of the things that I put together, I do it with, with this particular group in mind. Right. Will they think it's a good deal? And I did a mystery box recently that was selling for $387. Now, they, you either got a puck, a framed 8x10, or a, uh, or a jersey. Now you get the jersey, you're, you're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. And it was a 1 in 5 chance, I think. You get the framed picture, you're still doing better than your 387 at retail. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say you can't find a, a resale somewhere at a better price, sure. but you know, I know what we have on our website. And the puck was borderline about that price. And Matt advised, said, no, that's pretty good value there. Also, but I, rare, I did rare. that with you in mind, knowing that I'm going to see the criticism. And yeah. I took a lot of criticism for a Toronto Maple Leaf box that I put out, which I didn't give enough thought to mm-hmm. because... Whereas the Sidney Crosby puck, just a puck, which we don't typically sell by itself, yes. was in that price range. I didn't realize the same model didn't work for the Leafs as well. And we took a lot of flack for that, and I learned from that. Right. So uh, I, I make adjustments moving forward. But Sydney, I know a lot better than some of the other groups or for things sure. that we sell. I, I get uh, a lot so of Matt, flack any... for breaking down the numbers on things, maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> even even by my wife, I'm really good at buying cars and different things because I'll, I'll overanalyze. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think the members of the group will know when there's something like that up, I'm going to pop up like a quick analysis on like, hey, guys, this is this is where it doesn't doesn't make sense. And and that one was a was a quick one because I was telling her, you know, the, a lot of the questions as people were buying them were, what are my chances at this? And and 
mm-hmm. did the math on it myself and said, guys, you got a one in five chance at a jersey. Um, it looked like there were 17 products, so it's almost a one in five chance at everything when you kind of start to map it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus a chance at a stick. Almost everything is the exact value. You're not factoring in that there's free shipping on top of it. So you're pretty much getting what you paid for no matter what you get out of it. With with a potential so you, higher It's upside. all upside. Yeah. The, yeah. the one thing about that is it sold out in 14 minutes. So I know <laughs> yeah. it was a good, good yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, so Matt, we're, we're uh, getting towards the end here. Anything else you wanted to plug? Anything you wanted to throw out there for the listeners? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, this has been great. I think for, for everybody out there, I just say, uh, you know, that that's in collecting, looking to be collecting, uh, you know, even veteran collectors out there, like, uh, you know, connect with your other fellow collectors, uh, help each other out. Um, you know, I tell everybody all the time, like, again, I'll, I'll hammer on like, you know, collect things that mean something to you. Like there's a lot yeah. of people out there who collect just to collect or collect, uh, you know, just to you know, sell or hope they get retirement one day. Um, you know, the best collectors to, to, to be around and, and, you know, the happiest ones are those again, who have, who have stories behind everything they do because, uh, they do it as a, as a hobby and, and, you know, they really enjoy it. So, uh, sure. you know, find yourself a good community and, and, and jump in part of it. And, uh, if you like Sid or Maria and want to join ours, uh, we're, we're, we're happy to have you. Awesome. As long as you can answer the skill testing question, which is what is the company who supports or who represents Framework Sydney Crosby exclusively? And hey, spoiler alert, the answer is in the name of the title of this podcast. Uh, once again, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Matt Ellenberger, Dad, you have one more thing I to just, leave I just on? want to say that we're going to sit afterwards and we're going to figure out a little bit of a thank you to his group for, uh, for working with us. Um, we'll do a special uh, draw or something uh which we'll announce um you'll figure out how to do that between you and matt and then uh join the group because we're gonna have some special offers exclusive to that group and as we're doing with other groups um we're we're trying to kind of pinpoint maybe advance on new items or something along those lines a new marketing program moving forward so join these groups um if you want to get a little bit of a head start on some of the brand new products that we around this room we're now developing a number of new sydney pieces that haven't been released yet and they're ready except i'm holding off on them till i'm back here full time so we can figure out the best way to release them perfect so yeah, if you're if you're out there and you have a similar group or a similar similar community and you think uh, you want to give a little bit of a shout out to them, email us signoffpod at framework.com. As we mentioned, we want to do, you know, every so often another deep dive into the mind of the collector and make sure that we keep that relevant. As we've discussed over the last hour, it's incredibly important that that both the collector keeps the uh, industry in mind and the industry keeps the collector in mind. I think, I think those two can coexist very nicely. So uh, once again, Matt Allenberger, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Brian Aaronworth, president of Framework, thank you for joining us once again. My name is Mikey Aaronworth, host of the Sign Off Podcast, and this is us signing off. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching The Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at at Retrograde Mikey. Or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadoo Productions and Sad Styles Productions. Executive producers, Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!